Hello everybody and welcome to another Hey Kids Comics. The second, no, the third in our relaunch season. This week we're focusing on The Punisher for the purely arbitrary reason that I like The Punisher. And we can. And we can, yes, because it's our show. <laughs> I'm Andrew Leyland. I'm not. No, you're still not. And this is Hey Kids Comics. File A56-7W, classified top secret subject is... Hey kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. I'm not Andrew. <laughs> no. So that makes you good, presumably. Why are you bad? I'm, I'm always bad. And this was back before bad meant good. Um, the Punisher is Frank Castle, a Vietnam vet on home on leave, when his family picnic in Central Park is interrupted when they stumble across a gangland execution. Rather than make a run for it, because, let's face it, it's doubtful the cops would have caught them, the gangsters open fire, killing them all. Or so they thought. Frank survived. Already suffering from some post-traumatic stress due to the Vietnam War, Frank, feeling he now had nothing to live for, and this being a Marvel comic, decides to fashion a costume and declares war on criminals. With his distinctive black bodysuit and a skull emblem on his chest, The Punisher is one of the simplest yet most striking visuals in comics that has remained relatively constant since the character's debut. The white gloves and white boots have given way to black gloves and black boots in recent years, although despite what the cover of his first appearance may show, in that issue he's coloured as being all in black, so I suppose you could say he's just returned to his original appearance. What makes the Punisher different to other urban vigilantes such as Daredevil, the Batman or even Spider-Man is that he makes no effort to hide his face with a mask and, being a former Marine and Vietnam vet, has no compunction about killing. High-scale slaughter is the mark of the Punisher books, although it wasn't always so. Confined by the comics code in the 70s and 80s, the Punisher was restricted to mercy bullets and concussion grenades. The character was created by writer Jerry Conway, and his look was designed by John Romita Sr., and first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 179 in 1974. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Hello everybody, this is Andrew Leyland, your host of Hey Kids Comics. Now, I know what you're thinking, and you're right, but Andrew, the Punisher didn't appear in Amazing Spider-Man 179 for his first appearance. That was Amazing Spider-Man 129. And you know what? You're absolutely correct. I knew that. Michael knew that. Angela knew that because of Coyote Ugly, yet for some reason I misread my script. Hmm. Even the best of us are fallible, and I am far from the best of us. Anyway, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programme. When I was two. Were oh, yeah. Two years old in 1974. Right. If Frank Castle's Punisher, who's Frankencastle? 
Frank and Castle. It's Frank Castle all cut to bits and then stitched together and reanimated. With the Gatling gun hand. I don't know, I've not read it. What happened to him? I don't know, I've not read it. I think Dashen, who is Wolverine's son, cut him to bits. And he swept all of that under the carpet. I don't know, I've not read it. I'm sure it's fun. It looks fun, but I've not read it. So... Uh, in that first appearance, the Punisher strikes twice. The Punisher is a flawed yet noble bad guy, in the sense that he's being manipulated by the real big bad of the series at the time, the Jackal. There is no reference to the Punisher's origins in that issue, and despite trying to kill him twice, Spider-Man simply lets him walk away at the end of the story. This set the template for his relationship with Spider-Man and other Marvel heroes, such as Daredevil, one of respect but not trust, and neither DD nor Spidey condone Frank's methods. The Punisher made regular appearances in the Marvel books through the 70s and he even survived a misguided storyline that painted him as a nutjob who shoots all criminals, even jaywalkers, in the pages of Spectacular Spider-Man in the 1980s by writer Bill Mantlo to finally get his own miniseries in 1985. I was 13 in 1985. Oh yeah. If we're we're just going to mention how old I was every year that we mention. I was minus 10. Yes, you didn't exist yet. I was a fisher. You were swimming in my scrotum. (laughs) Uh-huh. Swimming uh-huh. around in my box. Gosh, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> ew, ew. Well, you know, you're lucky you were wiped out man, oh, no. when I was 13. Entire continents <laughs> I wiped out. I wiped out galaxies. I wiped out more people, or potential people, than the Death Star. Just saying. Wiped out civilization. Have I made you. Sweaty gradient. Yes, have, have I made you very uncomfortable? I didn't wear grey socks. Grey socks are very uncool. Anyway, there was a resurgence of interest in the Vietnam War in the US in the 80s with lots of reappraisals of that conflict and its effect on the participants. Movies like First Blood and the TV series like Magnum P.I. explored these effects quite effectively, whilst a less serious approach was taken in shows like The A-Team. Movies already had anti-heroes like Dirty Harry Callahan and the Death Wish series, and with both qualities already present in Frank, The Punisher was poised to take centre stage with a number of books. And Marvel, being Marvel, weren't afraid to milk that teat until it was not just dry, but wrinkled, limp and useless. The Punisher headlined no fewer than four books between 1986 and 1995. Yay, the EU above! The Punisher, Punisher Warzone, Punisher Armoury, Punisher War Journal, a Marvel Edge book simply called The Punisher, and The Punisher Purgatory, in which Frank is dead and resurrected by angels. Hmm, okay. I don't think I read that either. I first met The Punisher in the 1974 Spider-Man Annual, the UK hardback one that reprinted the first appearance of the character. I still have that annual. It's on your bookshelf. Yes. Yes. And all your other annuals. Uh, yeah, it has all those three, first three issues of the Jacqueline, doesn't it? In full colour. Full colour. Yes. Is that good? Yes. Because right. we got black and white reprints. Well, I, I expect full so colour now. Well, yes, because you have been spoiled. I like black and white Whereas stuff. Whereas I like black and white stuff. Since then, I've always liked the Punisher. He's a very visceral character who can be as deep, the rights of the victim, vengeance versus justice, etc., or as simplistic, eye for an eye, as the writer wants him to be. He represents a very typical form of American fiction, the lone anti-hero who does what no one else will or wants to do, despite what it may cost him, which is always an interesting theme. I suppose I should ask you when you first met the Punisher, shouldn't I? I was walking home from school one time and he jumps out and says hi and goes by his way. What was he doing in Britain? <laughs> Drug criminal. If he even did come over here on vacation, do you think he'd come here? 
Really? The, yeah, the Punisher would come to the north of England. Gangland. Well, yeah, I suppose there are quite a lot of drug dealers he could wipe yeah, out, he I suppose. Wipe out <laughs> maybe dealers. maybe he just, he'd just hang around high school, shouldn't he? Yeah. I would love to see him assassinate Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> that would amuse me no end. I'm nothing against Jay and Silent Bob. I just think that would be funny. <laughs> drug dealing scum outside of the, the clerk's shop. Snoochie <laughs> boochies, man. <laughs> it's not cool, bro. Snoochie booch this. <laughs> no. that, would, that would be quite amusing. It was the Garth Ennis one. But First time I heard Punisher with Garth Ennis. The Welcome Back Frank and stuff. Dug, the, yeah. the ruder stuff. The, the Welcome Back Frank. And then you dug out the, the annual Spider-Man one. And I read that. Well, I didn't have to dig it out. It's on your books, yeah? No, you don't. Do you not have the issue? I don't have the original uh, issue because that's be worth quite a lot of money. Although, in the film Coyote Ugly, yeah. one of the main characters... Is trying to get hold of a copy of the first appearance of the Punisher. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the few good things about that film. Fair. Your mum would probably disagree with that. Like she likes Coyote Ugly. Anyway, <clears throat> with his moon on the wane, Marvel turned to Garth Ennis to successfully relaunch and reinvigorate the character with a 12-issue miniseries, Welcome Back, Frank. This series reunited Ennis with his preacher collaborator Steve Dillon, a magnificently mixed black comedy, over-the-top characters, and ultraviolence into the Punisher mix. Welcome Back, Frank was an excellent series, whose only misstep was a horribly out-of-character and sanctimoniously written DD appearance in issue 3. How many times do I have to say it? Garth Ennis should not be allowed near superheroes. Marvel editorial should have that tattooed on their forehead. They won't be able to see it, then. Well, that's true. Uh, Some of Welcome Back, Frank was ripped off for the Punisher movie, starring Thomas J. Issue 1 came out in April 2000 with a really nice Tim Bradsheet cover, even if Frank does look like Francis Rossi from Status Quo. Uh, My copy of this is the the nice, handsome hardback that came out sometime after the series was originally released. Um, Yes, nice. And, as you say, handsome. Uh, It's got a good introduction by Stuart Moore. And then all the issues are in it. It's um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little package. I don't know if this is still available in hardcover. Okay. Is it not just a trade paperback now? I don't know. Do they not go back to print on the hardcovers? Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. Anyway, welcome back, Frank. Was as has already been pointed out, written by Garth Ennis, with pencils by Steve Dillon and inks by Jimmy Pamiardi. That's a name that only works if you say it in a New York accent. Pamiardi, Jimmy Pamiardi. Pamiardi. Yeah. Do you not think? I don't know. I don't know. Well, my New York accent was quite terrible. But you get the, yeah, yeah. the drift. Chris Sotomayor did the colours. Richard Starkings and Comic Crafts' Wes Abbott did the letters, which I presume means that Wes Abbott did the work. Joe Quazada and Jimmy Pamiotti, Pamiotti are editors. Nancy Dacazian is the managing editor. And Bob Harass was the editor-in-chief. Uh, so this was before Quazada took over as big boss. That's not why it's good. Yeah, well... I don't know about that, to be honest. Uh, the story. Frank is pointing a gun to greasy slime ball. Bodies lie all around him. He gives the guy a chance to leave, but he doesn't take it. Don't move, sucker. The Punisher torches the place and leaves. He changes and heads to his apartment where he lives with Spacker Dave, Mr. Bumpo and Joan, all misfits in their own way. Joan obviously has a crush on Frank. Frank heads down to the morgue where Bobby Nushi's brother, one of the dead bodies from earlier on, lies. Nushi and his men are taken down swiftly by the Punisher and messages left for Ma Nushi, head of the family. He then tails Carla Nushi, Ma Nushi's number one son, to the Empire State Building where he hurls him off the building. The message... 
the Punisher is back. I've actually made it sound like there's not an awful lot happening in this story, haven't I? It's not much. Going well, it there. does not really. It's very much the first issue of an overall storyline, and it is a very fast-paced read. There's no captions or anything like that. Page one, it opens with the Punisher holding a gun at a guy who looks like Mark Gruenwald and saying, get a haircut. <laughs> Which is hilarious, I think. Uh, they've updated the Punisher look there as well, haven't they? Mm-hmm. He's wearing much more black and lots of big, thick boots. Emo, man. Do you think... I don't think the Punisher's emo. Do you think? There's always people who kind of no, think he's vaguely Steven Seagal, but... I listen to my chemical romance. Have you quite finished? <laughs> The idea of Steven Seagal as the Punisher just makes me want to hurl. Yeah. Oh, he's terrible. Can't get as bad as the second Punisher film. I haven't seen the second Punisher film. Yeah, it doesn't look all good. You've not seen it, though? Well, no, it's So, thus, you cannot comment. Bad reviews. So? Loads of great films got bad Brazil got bad reviews. That's a brilliant film. Blade Runner got bad reviews. That's a brilliant film. I, I think so. Titanic got bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, comedy gold. <laughs> I think, anyway. Page Wait, four. Is a rabbit? Is what a rabbit? Oh, right, no, it's just... No, it's, it's some cocaine on the floor. <laughs> it was a uh, Page four. I do like that we see the guy's... The Punisher's hands around the guy's head. And then in the next panel, his head's twisted right round. It's <laughs> a bit gross. Yes. And then the final panel of that page, the Punisher walks away from the explosion. Because he's just poured gasoline all over the place and threw a grenade into it. And he's a cool guy. And he's a cool guy. And cool guys. Don't look at explosions. At explosions. That's and very... And don't think about the people that just killed. No. Well, he's, they were already dead. <laughs> Let's be honest. Essentially, all he's done there is burn a bunch of cocaine. Yes. Made them double dead. Yes. Page six. The Punisher has to pull Mr. Bumpo out of the doorway. Because he's a little on the chunky side. Um, what I love about this scene, it's obviously not the first time he's done it, as Frank pulls him out without missing a beat. He doesn't even start, does he? He just pulls him out and carries on going. Does Mr. Bumpo have a Hitler tash? Does he have a Hitler tash? It looks like he has a bit of a Hitler tash. Uh, no, it's a bit bigger than a Hitler tash, uh. I think. File under the filmmakers not getting it on that page. Mousy Joan was played in the film by Rebecca Romine, as far away from a mousy geek as you can get. Okay. Look her up on the internet. If you were going to cast Mousy Geeky Girl, you wouldn't think, ah, she's perfect. Okay. She's blonde and tall okay. and a former model. Oh, That's okay. who you'd cast as a geek. She was Mystique in the X-Men films. Oh, okay. The blue chick with the red hair. Oh, no, yeah, okay, fair enough. Rule one of a fight in a morgue, which happens a couple of pages later, don't hide behind the thin guy. <laughs> See, I'm not sure about this. I don't don't think that it needs to be a second round. Um, Yes. Do dead bodies stop bullets? Depends how big they are. It's Uh, just like a normal body. Yeah, okay. Um, I have to say, I really do like the Punisher's monologue on the final pages of this story. They're pretty damn good, tying up all the continuity from the last series in two pages and setting up the mission statement for this one. There's not really an awful lot to say about it. The Punisher's back doing what he does, which is basically shooting people. There are pretty much only two types of Punisher story, and it's how good the writer can be at straddling that line and and doing something with that. The art is fantastic, it has to be said. What did you think of it, Michael? What did I think? What did you think of Welcome Back, Frank, part one? Well, John Smith. Yes. 
is his alias. Yes. Does everyone go with that alias? It's a pretty good one to go with. There's probably lots of real John Smiths. The Doctor goes by John Smith. Hannibal went by John Smith. Although his real name was John Smith. Anyway, you know what I mean. (laughs) There's loads of John Smiths. Right. So the uh, film's loosely based on this. Very loosely. And the game is loosely based on this. Is it? Which game? The only... uh, Well, not the only one, but the good one. The one I have. Do you have that for what? PlayStation 2. Oh, right, I've never played it. But that's based on it loosely. Oh, right. Very loosely. Okay. Well, well, he lives in the same place with the same people. Mr. Bumpo and Joan and Spacker Dave. It's that loose, yeah. Oh, right, okay. And uh, on page 12, panel 4... Yes. That guy hasn't come out of the 70s. That one there, with his his shirt open to just after his nipples and (laughs) his big his big medallion. It's not really a big medallion, but he has got a big necklace up. Yeah, and and his his shirt lapels are over the top of his shirt, um, his jacket. Yeah, it is quite a 70s look that he's got. Maybe this story takes place in the 70s. You know, I don't think it did. No, I don't think it did either. But there's nothing saying that it can't. Um, and this wasn't the first time Ennis and Dylan did an Empire State Building death. Did they not? Nope, they did it previously with Papa Midnight and Hellblazer. Did they? Yep. Where he gets uh, mind-washed by his dead sister and he goes to the top of the building and jumps off. Right. And also in Cassidy being Preacher, but Cassidy didn't die, he just jumped off. Well, he was a vampire. Mm-hmm. So I presume vampire wouldn't die from jumping off. We have been asking the question... Was the relaunch, reboot, reinvention, reinvigoration, regurgitation, whatever, worth it? Yeah. Um, and was it any good? Yeah. And in this case, yes, yeah. isn't it? To both questions. The Punisher had been diluted by far too many appearances and casting him as an avenging angel didn't really work out too well. In this first relaunch issue, Z- and Zenis... <laughs> Ennis sets up the series perfectly. A fine blend of over-the-top violence, dark humour and interesting characters. Dylan's art, as always, is excellent. The updates to the Punisher's uniform are handled well and previous teams aren't crapped on. Ennis simply says that it didn't take and never mentions it again. The entire 12-issue series is an excellent read with the caveat that I mentioned earlier that issue 3 has a terribly written DD guest shot but it led to a resurgence in popularity for the character that persists to this day and to two Punisher movies that used this version as the basis for their character. If you haven't read Welcome Back, Frank, it's heartily recommended. And it has a sequel. Does it? That four-issue miniseries we have over the... Oh, Punisher Warzone. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, but I knew she's back into... That is a direct sequel to Welcome Back, Frank. Yes. Yes, and Ennis and Dylan return to do the artwork. Yes, fair enough. We'll be back after these messages. While attending a demonstration in radiology, student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the arachnid's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. Stan Lee presents... Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Welcome to Amazing Spider-Man Classics, where every month I and some friends will be discussing every book, every guest appearance, and every cameo we can find of our favorite web slinger, The Amazing Spider-Man. Are you tired of arguing over whether Ben Riley should have taken over the webs? Do you grow weary of the brand new day with all of its controversy? Then return with us to the early days. Return with us to the classics. Amazing Spider-Man Classics. 
at AmazingSpiderMan.Libson.com. Uh, do you want to bring us back in? Okay. Then. All right, go on. Wait, do I just say, and we're back? Yes. And we're back. Oh, very professional. You're getting really good at this, aren't you? I'm very impressed by that. Ennis's run on the Welcome Back miniseries was successful enough to launch a regular series, but Ennis tired of having the Punisher interact with superheroes, and I'll be honest, I tired of having Ennis write the Punisher interact with superheroes, because, let's say it together once again, Garth Ennis should not write superheroes! No. Excellent. Good. Now we've got that out of the way. Uh, and he also, it has to be said, he felt a bit hampered by the restraints of the regular comic book censorship. To this end, Marvel launched a Punisher series in 2005 under the Max imprint. Max was designed to allow creators to use harsher language and tones in their books. Now, I did have some problems with Max when it first debuted, and actually got into quite a heated debate about it in the pub with Scott. Did you? Oh, yeah. Okay. I have no issue with an imprint that lets creators have free reign over the stories. I actively encourage that. But Max had books like Alias, an otherwise <laughs> fine book, have scenes of anal sex in a series that had a guest appearance by Peter Parker and Steve Rogers. And that, it always just seemed a bit wrong to me. I liked it. Yeah, it's well, it's the fact that it's the Marvel Universe, and even the Marvel Universe is stuff going down. Hmm. See, this was Scott's argument as well. Yeah. That it's separate imprint, it's quite clear that it's for adults only. There's a person that thinks there are dumb people who, oh, Peter Potter's in this, I'll read. What the? <laughs> Luke Cage gives it up the chalky starfish, what's going on? <laughs> I said, chap. I'm not going to go this. So Jessica Jones goes, oh my. <laughs> Luke, wrong hole. You know what woman? So, yeah, so I, I just, I, that just felt a bit off to me, personally. It's not that Alias was a bad series, it wasn't. It, anyway, Pony, that's been turned into a TV series, isn't it? Has it? It's not going to be called Alias, okay. for obvious reasons. Um, it's just going to be, is it going to be called AKA? I don't know. Also known as. TV shouldn't. Why? Because Alias is good. Has there ever been a good comic book TV show Incredible film? Hulk. Oh, yeah, well, that's not actually... Oh, film? X-Men First Class, Superman the movie, Batman Begins, okay. Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1. Right. long-running, finite series. The Incredible Hulk was pretty consistent from start to finish. Granted, it didn't have an end. Well, well it I did mean, have an end, but it was crap. Long-running, finite comic series like Preacher wouldn't work as either. Preacher would work as a TV show. Why, well, last not. Would work no, as a TV no, show. Oh, okay, well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the Punisher number one under the Max imprint had another Tim Bradstreet cover that brings to mind the Matrix. Guns. Lots of guns. This story, this is another hardback version of this series. I think I've got, how many of these have I got? Three yeah. of the five. Yeah. I need to get the other two. Number four seems to have disappeared for some reason. The story is called In the Beginning Part One, is written by Garth Ennis, penciled by Luis LaRosa, and inked by Tom Palmer. Um, the hardcover doesn't actually have any other credits on the first issue. They're all at the front, so I don't know who did what. So I apologise for that. Frank is visiting the grave of his wife and kids. Frank remembers the day they were killed. He does this more than Bruce Wayne. Unbeknownst to Frank, he's been watched by two observers, one of whom likes big dicks. Well, doesn't everybody? Frank has made his way to Don Cesar's 100th birthday, where all the families are gathered for a little bit of hoot and just a touch of nanny. Frank bursts in and shoots the old guy in the wheelchair through the head. <laughs> he does, I'm not making this up. 
Don's Cesar's 100th birthday, Don's Cesar, for a bit of context, yeah. is not at his best, it has to be said. He's in a wheelchair, he looks like he's got lots of pipes coming out of him. <laughs> Mushrooms growing on his head. Yeah, and so when Frank just shoots him in the head, it is rather a callous execution <laughs> of an old guy who really isn't in any fit state to I'm defend probably himself. probably wanted it. Yeah, probably. Um, yes, yeah, that's probably put him out of his misery, to be honest. Has everyone realised what has happened? They barrel out of the door unprepared. Frank opens fire with an automatic machine gun. Thanks to his preparation, Frank manages to take out every single one of them in seconds. But again, he's been watched by people with enough technical know-how to tap into a NASA satellite. Turns out, Frank is being pursued by his old friend, Micro. And when the time comes, Micro will put Frank down like a rabid dog. After all, what are friends for? Yes, there's a very big vein of black humour running through this one, yeah. isn't there? It being Garth Ennis, and so... Cool. Well, I don't mind the art in this. Hmm. Do you like it better than Steve Dillon? No, but my problem with it as well, well, even though I like Steve Dillon, who's a tad on the cartoony side, this would probably be too cartoony for a Punisher story, if not for the corner. Do you think? Yeah. I think it's very... I mean, I do like that the art on pages 3, 4 and 5 doesn't look like it's been inked. Yeah. That just looks like the pencils. In colour. Yeah. So that the flashbacks to his, his wife and kids being murdered. I don't know. I don't think it's cartoony. Well, okay. That other of the Punisher, all dark and dark. Yeah. And then this one, which doesn't have much dark. Oh, the page with the girl who says she likes big dicks. Yeah. Yeah. He's being pursued by two agents of somewhere or other, uh, a bloke and a woman, and that seems to be what she's obsessed with. Yeah. I don't know if that's what all women are obsessed and with. And also that I on that her. page... Which part of dialogue proves that this is a Garth Ennis book? Pat O'Brien, why? Oh, right, in case I get a chance to <laughs> him, I like big dicks. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Right, and also in the game, mm. which is quite fun, you go to a funeral, some dude you just killed. The PlayStation game? Yeah, yeah, and you hide in this coffin. So when all the bad guys are mourning this coffin who they think the dead guy's in, you jump out with a huge machine gun and slaughter them all, and it's hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But why is Micro trying to put down Punisher? Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, I did some research in on Wikipedia. Yeah. And I think Micro had already died at this point. Okay. But was brought back. So I don't quite remember. Um, I'm not sure what I think of a Frank Castle that ages in real time. Because it means that everybody ages in real time. I mean, this quite clearly establishes from the first page. I bet he doesn't in the new DCU. Uh, on the first page, that his his wife was born in 1948 and died in 1976. So that's been 30 years since he died by the time this was published, more or less. Yeah. So he's clearly what in his 50s or 60s at this point. If you assume he was quite young when he was in Vietnam, which isn't implausible. They were sending 18, 19 year old teenagers to fight in Nam. So it is possible that he was a young gun in Vietnam. Um, I mean, say I'm torn on this. I've always had a soft spot for the old guys show up and show the young guns how it's done stories. And Frank being rooted in Vietnam and the kids dying in 1976 though would have a knock-on effect on the rest of the Marvel Universe, doesn't it? Because if Frank ages in real time, then Peter Parker does. 
Yes. So Peter Parker's in his 50s now, isn't he? Older than that. So, mm, not sure about that. The other thing with that is what Grant Morrison said. Yeah. It's a story. It's Grant Morrison's story. It's age. It's a story. No, well, as I, there's a part of it that kind of agrees with that. Yeah. See, you know my controversial opinion on Spider-Man. Yeah. That he doesn't work as a character when he's not a teenager anymore. Or the very least, 21, 22. But I quite liked Dick Grayson growing up yeah. and becoming Nightwing. And there's a part of me that's a war with myself. Well, you can't have one without the other. You can't have Dick Grayson that ages and not have a Peter Parker that ages. But I don't think Dick Grayson as a character fails to work just because he's not a teenager anymore or just even because he's not Robin anymore yeah. arguably he's better as Nightwing oh, yeah. but he wouldn't work as Nightwing if he hadn't been Robin do you see what I mean? yeah whereas with Peter Parker I do I, and I have been raked over the coals for this opinion but I do think he doesn't work the Spider-Man character does not work when he's 30 and still being Spider-Man I don't I just I don't know I'm, I'm at war well, with myself this over story that. could not have happened yet well well I mean we'll come to that in a bit but yeah I mean I suppose you can always argue that the Max Universe stuff is it's another world or yeah is a separate universe or something because he didn't meet any superheroes in the Max stuff did he as far not as I remember, I remember of what I've read yeah. I don't remember him meeting any superheroes um Ennis's description of Frank seeing his family die is pretty horrific. So we'll cut him some slack about the fact that he, he constantly has this nightmare. Mm. Especially the death of his son. The bullet had entered through his open mouth and just splattered the back of his head all over Frank's hand. Which is just, you know... So that's what that is on his hand. Yes, I suppose you have to make it horrific for the character, for to, the work. character to work. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, after everything he saw in Vietnam... Yeah. just having somebody get shot in front of him he's not going to blink an eye at that is he No. to be honest with you so you do have to have it be something spectacularly horrific for the character to work and the first four or five pages of this are quite yeah. I'm not really a fan of this artwork I mean you've commented on it already but mm. Frank doesn't so much look like a grizzled veteran as a bit like a wrestler who's gone to seed I don't like the skull and crossbone. Yeah. I think Frank looks a bit porky on that first splash page of the Punisher where he's loading up. Mm, see, the buildings and the landscape stuff's fine, as is the depictions of other characters, although I agree with you, some of it does look a bit comical. But Frank just seems a bit off to me. I don't, I don't like it. But art is in the eye of the beholder, I suppose. Um, unlike that pussy Mel Gibson in the Lethal Weapon movies, Frank has no problem killing a dog. Okay. As we see towards the end of this. Uh, Frank opening fire with the automatic machine gun on it's all the people at Don Cesar's party is quite hysterical. You have got people running towards Frank as the bullets <laughs> cut into them. So they're still running towards him, the momentum <laughs> carrying them forward as the guts are spilling out <laughs> all over the floor. You've got that guy there who's essentially the top <laughs> half of his head. is coming gets, out of his mouth. He's coming out of his mouth. You've got people's heads just exploding <laughs> off. It is a bit of the old ultraviolence. Um, but it's a Max book. And it's Garth Ennis, so... Am I, am I wrong for finding it funny? No, you're not wrong for finding it funny, because it's a comic book. And it's it's wrong if you find it funny in real life. Yeah, yeah. But this isn't real life. <laughs> it's so, a comic, and I can laugh. Yeah, I mean, you find Pulp Fiction funny, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the same thing. It's, you, it's... you came in one point and told me I was watching gay porn. 
Did they? The bit when I was watching with Pulp the Fiction. Shower, uh, the yeah, well, it is a bit, isn't it? <laughs> Let's be honest. Microchip is the Punisher's former ally in the war on crime. I believe he's been thought to be dead before, but he really is most sincerely dead at the end of this story. Yeah, he, Punisher puts a shotgun to the bottom of his head and... Yes. So, so was this relaunch worth it? And was it well, any good? I don't think it was a relaunch and more of a continuation of Welcome Back Frank, but under a different publisher. Well, it's the same publisher, different imprint. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, mm, I suppose by the nature of it going to be a Max book, it did need a new number one. I suppose you couldn't yeah. just re-carry the book on, and now it's a Max book. Boys did. But yeah, you're right, this isn't a relaunch, this is just a continuation of what Garth Ennis was already doing. Mm. It just He can now show splattered brains and say big dicks. <laughs> that amuses you no end, doesn't it? Biggest <laughs> dickus. <laughs> Willis Wadwick. <laughs> I watched that in Latin. Well, Life of Brian's a fantastic film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's oh, one part in, I can't remember what, but my teacher got up to cover the... Uh, you know the smartboard things? Mm. She got up to cover it, but didn't understand that because it was projected. It was on, on the back. The back yeah. Yeah, oh, dear me. Oh, the bit where Brian gets up and opens the windows. Yeah. And he's, his little <laughs> Brian is quite happily swinging in the breeze. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's got the best gag in the entire film, that scene. Oh. You're all individuals! We're all individuals! I'm not! <laughs> that's the best joke in the film. <laughs> Anyway, to get back on topic, um, yes, was the relaunch worth it and was it any good? A bit of both, really. I can see why giving it a new number one and putting it under the Max imprint makes sense, although I haven't read all of Ennis's work in the Max series. It's still fun, but I didn't enjoy this as much as the other one. And mm. like you said, it may have been because of the, the dark, murky artwork. I'm a big fan of Tom Palmer, who is magnificent pretty much over everyone he works on. He's run on the Star Wars comic with Walt Simonson. He's, he's brilliant stuff, and his inking of John Byrne and others is, is fantastic. But it, uh, no, other than the first four pages where it was shot from the pencils, this, this just didn't work for me. The violence isn't as well portrayed as Steve Dillon does it, which is ironic given that this is the Max imprint. And having Frank been able to say mother <laughs> doesn't make it mature, hence you're laughing... Um, it's not Wasn't, awful. Didn't you have an argument by any means, that but one like a movie like Saw or something is more childish than a film like The Incredibles? Yes, because The Incredibles deals with mature themes such yeah. as the disintegration. Oh, well, not the disintegration of a marriage, but a marriage that has reached a point where the couple in it really are trying to make it work, but they're going in different directions and they need to pull themselves in the right direction, and that's what they do at the end of that film. Right. Whereas Saw doesn't have anywhere near that maturity of level of storytelling. Even though it's a certificate 18 horror film. It's just funny. Yeah. That's <laughs> what's The Incredibles. Well, I think I'd rather watch The Incredibles, to be honest with you. Um, it's always fun seeing Frank mow down gangsters. But it's just not as entertaining as Welcome Back, Frank. No. To be honest with you. Um, I've got these hardcovers, the first three. Oh, apparently number four... Yeah. I've got written in my notes here is on Amazon for £365. Right. Yeah, I'm not paying that. Well, isn't the new Justice League going for something like oh, something ridiculous? Anim the new Animal Man's going for something ridiculous. And it's prats like Rich Johnson on Bleeding Cool as well, Yeah, who just make posts about, this is selling for this. I hate people like that. Let's just turn them into what we can make for them on the secondary market. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you know where I can get Volume 3 for a reasonable price, 
say, 10 quid, let me know, because I'm not paying £365 for volume 4, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll play another promo for somebody's podcast, and we'll be right back. In October, return to the fight for freedom. In the name of adventure. I'm Luke Skywalker. I have a really bad feeling about this. Return of the Jedi. I will not fight you. You must confront Vader. You are unwise to lower your defenses. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas present The time for our attack has come The last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition well, How could they be jamming us if they don't know if we're coming? It's a trap! Your fleet is lost and your friends will not survive Don't move! I love you I know There is no escape <laughs> Return of the Jedi, with newly enhanced visual effects, DHX and digital sound, and a few new surprises. Live the magic. Experience the power, and feel the force like never before. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me, so be it, Jedi. In October, the last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. Return of the Jedi. At twotruefreaks.lipson.com And we're back. Sounds I did that professional. Did you like that? Yeah. Thank you very much. Despite the fact I stepped all over what you just said. <laughs> That's not very professional, no, 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 to be no, honest no. with you. Okay. The final... Well, that except of what you just said. Yes, you did. Did you do that deliberately, though? No, no. No, no. Okay. The final boot... I thought you were going to do it again, then, for comedy value. Mm. No. The final boot... Oh, for <laughs> God's sake. Repetition is funny. We've established that before. Oh, I love that. Yes. The final book in the Punisher relaunch series is The Punisher issue number one, which came out with an October 2011 cover date. So this book is in the future. It is the newest comic we've ever covered, yes. Hello, future people! How is it in a month? (laughs) It's pretty much the same as it is now. Oh, okay, that's nice. Who'd have thought that happened in Paris, eh? Well, yeah. All those Amazons. All those Amazons. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, very impressive. Um, the cover is by Brian Hitch and Paul Neary and shows the Punisher in his short-sleeved ensemble kind of pointing a gun at going us. Going backwards with an arm like this and going, go. Yes. He's got a big hand. Let's yeah. give the man a hand. Uh, duck and cover! Because he's pointing a gun at us. Oh, right, right. Do you like that cover, Michael? Alright. It's alright, it's a Brian Hitch cover. It's it's okay, it's good. I like Brian Hitch's stuff, but I've met Brian Hitch. <coughs> I have also met Brian Hitch. And I've got a photo He autographed my ultimate hardcover. He autographed your Ultimates 2 hardcover. Was it Ultimates 2? I he did both. Oh did he? He did one, I did one. Alright, oh, okay. And and he autographed his how to draw book for me. Did? And we would have got Mark Miller to autograph them as well. If the bat 
bastard had bothered showing up at Bex this year. No, 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 Dad, he had health issues. Did he? He's, uh, I thought Scottish people couldn't have health issues. They couldn't have any more health issues than they already have, given that they deep fry everything. Well, I thought Scottish people, when they were born, had to undergo trials out of the woman's womb and then do a death trap thing and then a gone to be accepted by the thugs. Are you sure that's Scottish? I don't know. One of our best friends is Scottish. I don't recall him ever mentioning that. China? Maybe in China. <laughs> no, it's the daughters that have to do that in China. Anyway, um, I do like that the recap on page one is short and to the point. There's no mention of Vietnam in this, you'll note. It mainly says, Frank Castle was a decorated Marine Corps officer who served his country above and beyond the call of duty in time of war. Doesn't actually say what war? Afghan. Well, that's what I'm saying. Have they updated his origins now? So he's no longer de- well, aging in real time. We can know if he was actually in this. <laughs> that's a good point. On the cover, he doesn't look in his 60s, does he? No. Let's be honest. He only looks about 35. And thankfully, he does not look like Steven Seagal. Uh, the first story in the book is called Punisher 1. It's written by Greg Rucker, with arc by Marco Cicchetto. Okay. Letters by Joe Caramanga. And it's edited by Stephen Wacker, who also edits Amazing Spider-Man at the moment. Uh, Stephen Wacker gets a lot of flack on various internet websites, but I quite like him. Okay. I find him quite funny, to be honest with you. I'm freely admitting that could just be me. Uh, the story for this one, because it's only about 15 or 16 pages, the first story. A wedding is shot up by persons unknown. The police are called in with Detective Walter Bolt and Oscar Clemens being assigned to partner up. Apparently the wedding wasn't the target, and the wife has been rushed to surgery. Clemens receives a text to meet up, and he leaves a file of pictures on the subway. The file is picked up by an unknown man. Elsewhere, the murderers are celebrating. The lights go out. Gunfire. Death. The Punisher. For some reason, Frank doesn't kill the ringleader. Merely leaves. Yes, that's a very, very short synopsis. Because once again, dear listener... We are writing for the trade paperback, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah. Does that annoy you at this point as much as it annoys me? It's the reason why I don't read comics very much until six. Or until they've got six or seven yeah. issues. Yeah, because the first five pages of this story are dialogue-free, where you're letting the art carry the story. And there's a juxtaposition between the other characters, an older cop and a young cop on the firing range that will play into the story later on. It's all quite well handled, and the artwork's quite nice, but I must confess, I miss the days of caption boxes. I, I'm quite old-fashioned in this. I like to be able to read <laughs> my comics. If I just want to look at art, I'll go to an art gallery. Yeah. I want to, you know, what would have been wrong with captions or some dialogue or some explanation of New what's York. going on. Well, no, not just simplistic stuff like that, but I don't know. It's a background on who the people the are. And, no, the no, Punisher narrated it. Yeah, so it, so it actually feels like the Punisher's into the books. There's not really a lot to say about this first story. It's entertaining, that'll be a quick read, but nowhere is the character introduced, or does he even speak, so that I can see this being a bit confusing to newer readers. But do new comics have newer readers anymore? You know, the art's fine, it carries the story. This felt a bit bendish to me. Yeah. Of this 20-page story, only nine had any dialogue. It's not a criticism, per se. But when comics cost as much as they do nowadays, I want, I want at least to have something to read. Yeah. You know... This is 
bend this toilet material. I know, and it's it's doubly disappointing because it's Greg Rucker. Yeah. And Greg Rucker's a great writer. Except for when he's making... Ah, uh, see, I'm firmly on the opinion that that was an editorial mandate. Okay. Uh, based on stuff that Greg Rucker has said on his webpage and stuff, yeah. I don't think he did that without being Wasn't told to do it. was he the one who did the comparisons between realistic and over-the-top violence? I don't know. Why? What did he say? I don't know. You posted it on Facebook. Did I? It was a... Oh, Gregory, no, he's talking about films. Oh, right. Yes, he he did post that thing about, you know, if you can't accept... Why do they all have to be grim and gritty? Why can't we just accept a Superman that does what he does because it's the right thing to do? Yeah. But we're deeply cynical nowadays and we don't trust people like that. Okay. And, you know, in real life we have cause to not trust people like that because they let us down at every available opportunity but that's why my heroes are fictional <laughs> fictional characters don't let me down unless they're written by somebody doofusy um, do, do you, what did you think of the first pet story in this book? Well, page 9 panel 3 it's Morgan Freeman where's Morgan Freeman? Morgan Freeman yes <laughs> yes you're absolutely right yes I'm not going to go so far as to say it's photo reference Morgan Freeman, but it is very definitely Morgan Freeman from Seven, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'm Morgan Freeman. Yes. And also, page 10, panel 2. Yes. We have a Moon Knight advert. What? Oh, yes. Is Moon Knight on television, though? Yeah. New Moon over LA. Oh, this, yeah. Oh, maybe he's on the news. Does Greg Rucker write the new Moon Knight? No, Bendis. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. So I bet the first issue of that didn't have much to read in it. Well, mm. so it's Punisher number one. Yes. An all-new number one. An all-new number all one. All-new, shiny all number one. Shiny to get new readers and into it. new, yes. Okay. There's yes. no introduction to the character at all. He's burly in it, and he's in more of it in the second story, even though he doesn't say anything. Yes. These are all valid, valid criticisms. Yes, I don't disagree with you. As a Punisher story, that first story is pretty good. It's perfectly entertaining. It does the job that it sets out to do. As a number one, it's 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 not. It falls lower yeah. than Justice League. Well, I mean, we've not talked about Justice League on the show yet, and we are going to. But it suffers from the same problems as that. It's the first ten minutes of the film. Again, it's not a complete story. If you want us to buy single-issue comics, Marvel, make them single-issue stories. Don't just give me the first five pages of your trade paperback and hope I'm going to go and buy that as well. I don't want to buy things twice. I'm a notorious cheapskate, by and large. I buy things once, unless they're the Star Wars trilogy. But that's just the exception that proves the rule. Because even in that case, I'm not going to buy the Blu-ray. Somebody gets me for Christmas, I'll go, thank you very much. (laughs) But I'm not going to buy it. The sad thing is, listener, he really will. Yeah, I I will go, (laughs) just like that. If I do that on Christmas Day, I will record it. Just for you, dear listener. Um, The second story is by the same team and details how Officer Bolt became Detective Bolt and why he's in the pocket of the Punisher. A routine surveillance goes south and Officer Bolt is given a promotion and a citation for bravery and courage under fire. Turns out, that's not quite how it went down. What do you think of the second story? Well, I liked it more. I liked it more. Because of 
Yes, the Punisher is in it because it's. I, I don't think we're giving anything away, given that we spoil stuff on a regular basis in this show. It's the Punisher who saves the day yeah. in this story, yeah. not Officer so Bullet. The Punisher should be detective. Yes, the Punisher should get. So detective session. Punisher, what do you think? I think I shot him in the head. And I think the law's an ass. That's what I think. That's a good carry, isn't it? Menacing end. <laughs> wow! Oh dear me. When a naked man is chasing a woman through an alleyway with a butcher's knife and a hard-on, I figure he is now collecting for the Red Cross. Now that's a funny line. Yeah. That's how the Punisher should be written. Yeah. Like Dirty Harry Collar. Um, the second story was pretty damn good, to be honest, offering a different perspective on the first. And the way the tale was told was an excellent use of the comic's medium. Because it's told from the point of view of Detective Bolts. Interro- it's not an interrogation, it's is it? Yeah, his interview later on with... Would that be internal affairs? Internal affairs are taking a record of how it happened and what happened. So it's actually it's actually a script, really, isn't it? Mm. It's two people talking with the name of the person over the dialogue. So it is like a script, but with comic panels interrupting the scripted pieces. It's a very interesting way of telling the story. It's similar to that story in Action Comics 900. Yes that Richard Donner did, isn't it? It's quite similar to that. Um, Bolt is basically in to be debriefed about the mission where his partner was killed, and the interview technique tells a completely different story to the pictures that we're seeing, where the Punisher is responsible for the quick thinking and the saving of lives, whereas Officer Bolt freezes. It's really well done. To me, this second story was worth the issue, even though it's only a couple of pages long. To be honest with you, I really I enjoyed this second story a lot more than the first one. Like you say, at least the Punisher's in it. Although he still doesn't say anything. No, <laughs> does he? He's not very talkative, by not and large. Very. Okay. I like, um, the, I like the name of the letters column. The, the name of the letters column is called "Let's Be Frank." So, was this relaunch worth it, and was it any good? No. No. Um, I have no idea why they relaunched The Punisher again. I mean, I haven't been reading the boot lately, and to be honest, what brought me back was writer Greg Rucker. I don't know if this book means Punisher Max is cancelled or what, but as a standalone issue, this was... It was okay. It's not terrible by any means, but as with a lot of recent comics, it doesn't really stand alone. And it's probably a story that will make more sense with a few more chapters under its belt. But mm. there aren't any few more chapters, and it's an issue one, and it should be a good... Yeah, packed, drag um, more readers in. I don't. One. I don't disagree with anything you say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in. I'm simpatico with you, though. Yeah, um, a lot of it could be just I'm disappointed because it's Greg Rucker, yeah. who is a great writer. Mm, yes, um, I don't want to not like it. Is the problem? Yeah, but I don't. If I'm brutally honest, it, it was quite a big disappointment. In comparison to Daredevil 1... Which I've not read yet. ...which came, which we're covering next week, this was a huge disappointment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was no adverts or anything to talk about in the other stories, because obviously I had the hardcovers, but there's quite a lot of um, adverts and stuff in this, because Marvel do lots of adverts now. As Michael pointed out, Let's Be Frank is the letters page. This is another reason I like Steve Wacker's stuff. Yeah. He still has letters pages, or at the very least in the first issue he has a text page. Yeah. to introduce the character. The unfortunate thing about this, it took me longer to read this text page than it did, than it did to read the entire comic. Uh. Which is, you know, not good. It's good that Wacker puts these in. and um, It's one of the reasons Amazing Spider-Man still gets a thumbs up from me is because it still has a letters page and has continued to still have a letters page throughout um, Wacker's run. There's an advert for the Green Lantern 
drinking milk just on the inside front cover Green Lantern's a DC character well, yeah, advertisers don't seem to care weren't, D, D, weren't DC advertising Marvel as well yes DC have advertised oh, I love adverts like that yes. they always happen in Marvel comics there's an advert for Marvel sleep work yeah, they always advertise the films or whatever like here they're advertising the Captain America film and the Thor film yeah. but the actual advert itself is for sleep work and it's doesn't actually show the sleep work. No. <laughs> so really, yeah, that's just an advert for the film, isn't it? Yeah. Let's be honest. Captain American Thor advertising sleep work. What would you do if they slept naked? <laughs> no, they don't do that in the Avengers. Do they not? So you don't see Thor's hammer, do you not? <laughs> oh, no there's an advert for the new Avengers annual number one, which is written by Brian Michael Bendis, <gasps> with art by Gabriel Del Otto. Yes. Um, I, I think that's Wonder Man. Uh, it's an annual written by Bendis, so it'll probably take you about the same amount of time that a normal Jerry Conway comic would take you to read. Ooh, I'm down on that, aren't I? Uh, adverts for Captain America hardcovers, Captain America omnibus, the death of Captain America and oh. Captain America lives. Yeah, it's all Ed Brubacker stuff. Uh, yeah, you'd think that there was a movie out or something, wouldn't you? Yeah. There's a, an alternate cover by Sal Buscema. And Neil Adams, Neil Adams did a cover. I did not know that. It's not a great one. It has to be said. That being said, his work on Batman Odyssey. See, I don't have a problem with the art in Batman Odyssey. I have a problem with the art. I have a problem with the rest of the book. But the art, I quite like. There's an advert for Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates. In other words, the Avengers. The movie Avengers, yes. Because they're drawn suspiciously looked like to the movie counterparts. I think there was films coming out and... Marvel's just trying to capitalise on them. Then there's a couple of pages at the back that's plug-in Ultimates issue one for August 2011. Uh, I won't be buying it for a couple of reasons. One, I think the Ultimates universe is dead on its feet at this point, isn't it? At this point, yes. Yeah, is there any reason for it to exist anymore? No. I mean, I know Jemis... Well, what, how much money is it making, really? How, how well know. are these books selling now? A black Spider-Man, so Marvel can go, hey, we're off on equality, we're on the equality boat. Yeah, that's just cack, to be honest with you. Look at us, yeah. we're, we're all about equality. No, wait, Forget wait. about Batwing and a gay one, a Batwoman. Come, come over here to Marvel. <laughs> Please. Oh, uh, the second reason, Jonathan Hickman writes it, and Jonathan Hickman is touted as the next big thing, and I just don't see it. I read the Fantastic Four for over two years and I'm just sat there at the end of every issue that I read scratching my head going, why do people rave about this? I liked it. Why? Because, in my opinion, it was a Fantastic Four comic. In my opinion... Well, frequently nothing happens. Right, right. In my opinion, though, a Fantastic Four comic should be about aliens and science and different races and big... Yes, I don't disagree with you. It happened in that, yeah. Yes. What? How much? And you take one issue of that book, nothing happens! Right, put it this way then. Alright. Out of all of that, more cool things happened, and there was more story in Jonathan Hickman's entire run than there was in Mark Miller's. Uh, yes, I'll give you that. And Mark Miller did what, six issues? Uh, I think he did twelve. Yeah. Or should have done twelve, and then got bored of telling his own story. Yeah. Yeah. And Hitchy Bailed as well, and yeah, yeah no, yes, the Fantastic Four should be about big ideas and big concepts and big stories, but it shouldn't take twenty-four issues to tell it. You know who I'd say should write Fantastic Four? Who? Guess. No idea. Grant Morrison. Oh man! I have read 
Fantastic Four. He did write four. four. And it was I read cack. that it was cack, yeah. It was awful. It was. It was terribleness on toast. That is the one where Ben Grimm becomes Ben Grimm and there's a giant Doctor Doom and stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I read that, it wasn't. And good. the art's muddy. Yeah. Because that's cool, apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, there's a final advert in this book for Captain America advertising Harley Davidson. I didn't know Captain America rode a Harley Davidson, but I suppose it's perfectly he, plausible. He rode motorbikes in every back. Yes, he, he's rode motorbikes for a while. He even did a cool I didn't know thing Harley where he, he jumped up and kicked a guy in the face and then jumped back on his bike. Yeah. He rode motorbikes when Mike Zeck was drawing it. Yeah. So that was back in the 80s. So he's probably rode a motorcycle before that, and I'm just not remembering. Because Peter Parker used to ride a motorcycle. So. Did he have a moped? Uh, he did in the film. I don't recall him having a moped he in the comics. He does Spider-Man Blue. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, but Spider-Man Blue messes everything up. I like Spider-Man Blue. The art's great. Yeah. I don't dispute the artwork. You could win $100,000, pounds, dollar pounds, dollar pounds and penny cents, or thousands of other great prizes if you help Captain America find the Red Skull when you look for codes on specially marked Wrigley's Gum Bottles. Wrigley's Gum Bottle? What is that, a bottle of chewing gum? <laughs> How does that work? How do you drink chewing gum? <laughs> does it just... Do you pull it back out of your throat when you've finished it? Put it back in the bottle and you can drink it again later? I think instead of having it in a packet like we do, it's just loads in a... In a, in a, in a tub? Yeah. Right. Because Americans like lots of things. Well, is it... Let me see. <laughs> Wasn't it Bill Hicks? It does say 60 pieces, you are correct. Wasn't it Bill Hicks who said he went to this coffee place and said, do you want a small or a large? He said... Whilst large, you may want to bring your car around the back. <laughs> yes, yes, very true. Well, that's it for the Punisher. Um, I wish we should have done Amazing Spider-Man 179, shall we? Yeah. Is it not 129? I think it's 129. I think I made a mistake, though. Oh. Anyway, it doesn't I can't mean. believe you made a mistake. I, I can't believe... I can so totally believe I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> uh, next time on an all-new episode of Hey Kids Comics... That uh, was my start for the next generation. Right, right, right. Um, we're going to be doing Daredevil. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm quite excited about I like Daredevil. We're finally, Mr. Stephen Lacey, we're finally doing our Daredevil episode. However, just to kick you in the balls once more, we'll do Justice League next yeah, week. We'll change our mind at the last minute. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, really. We're really going to do Daredevil. Honest. Honest. We are really and honestly going to do Daredevil next week. Alright, we'll be back next time. When hopefully covering a couple of comics will take longer than this one did. But there wasn't really much story to synopses, was there? No. Looking forward to getting back to tonight's end. Oh, yeah. Yay! Very excited about that. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at apleyland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, 
which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com We also have a forum www.forumforgeeks.com where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.